Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to another edition of Stand Up For The Truth. We appreciate you guys tuning in, being with us. Um, great topic today. Actually, a couple different topics. We're going to be talking a little bit about Second Peter chapter 3, but also we're going to get into the COVID craziness and talk about pandemic or plandemic or what's happening as far as the, the world transformation. America is definitely being changed, and I don't know that we'll ever get back to quote-unquote normal, and I'm not sure if we want to, but uh, we're going to talk about all that today with Dr. Andy Woods. Father, thank you for giving us another opportunity to discuss these things and, and look at your Word and how it applies to these times that we're living in. Help us, Lord, with wisdom and discernment, and um, Lord, I think a lot of us also need patience with our brothers and sisters and those who disagree with us. And we ask that you'd give us love for them, um, love for our neighbors, people that don't know you. There are people on both sides of the coronavirus debate and the lockdown of the economy and the churches, both sides of the debate, Lord, who, who love you. And then there are people on both sides who want nothing to do with you, Lord. So that's where we come in and, and our proclamation of the gospel. Remind us, Lord, our, our mission and our purpose has not changed in Christ. And uh, we ask that you just continue to lead us by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for sealing us in Christ. And thank you so much for giving us truth. Guide us today and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, excited to have Dr. Andy Woods back with us today. Uh, he was with us last month, and we'll put that podcast. It was a great interview. He shared a lot of great things last month. He's a pastor of Sugarland Bible Church and president of Schaefer Theological Seminary founder of Andy Woods Ministries, the author of several books. We'll put a link to his ministry in today's podcast notes at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Andy, welcome back, brother. David, it's always a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for taking the time. I, I love your updates, and I'm going to uh, share that again today, your pastor's point of view that you guys do every week. And <laughs> we were talking before we got on air with all that's happening in, in this series you're doing a COVID-19 and World Transformation Series. You're on Part 6. You're going to do Part 7 today. I don't know when it's going to stop. But I want to remind our listeners that last month uh, we discussed with you um, the setting the stage for the cashless society predicted in Revelation 13. Uh, is God using the coronavirus to judge the world or the United States? Is this part of the fulfillment of last day's prophecies about pestilences? Um, what about churches? Do we have a duty to disobey um, certain things when it comes to social distancing and government um, orders that are being passed down, or do we have to obey everything? We talked about a lot with you last week, so I want to just, or last month, I wanted to remind people, so if they wanted to look up that interview, that podcast, they can. You have been teaching um, through Second Peter 3, which I love that whole book, Second Peter, but um, during this time, I think I know the answer to this, but I, what made you decide to teach through Second Peter? Well, I just felt it was, it's almost, you know, Peter wrote that in A.D. 64, just before he died, and it's just amazing that he saw our time period <laughs> in terms of relevance and application. I just couldn't think of a more, you know, apropos book hmm. in terms of the times we're facing you know, not only in the culture, but um, in the church, and and that's why I gravitated that direction. Well, what is the book about? I, we're not going to spend the whole hour studying this book, because there's so much we want to get into be, from your updates that you share on world transformation. It is happening, and I think most of us would admit, obviously, things are changing, but this is very relevant to what's going on. As you said, and he starts off by saying, this is a reminder. 
And I am writing you again, the second letter, to remind you and stir you up. So share um, generally the bullet points of what the book is about. And and I know we want to get in a little bit to creation, but um, share your thoughts on um, how you approached the book and as you introduced it to your church. Yeah, well, for every book of the Bible, <clears throat> I try to come up with what I think is the subject of the book. And then I try to figure out how the parts relate to the subject. So my, my subject that I think the book is about is Peter writes the book to protect his audience, his Christian, Hebrew Christian audience. In this case, they're, they're probably Jews living in north-central Turkey that are believers in Jesus or what they would call Yeshua. But he is trying to protect them from the onslaught they're about to experience uh, of false teachers, and he does. He accomplishes that goal by telling them to grow up spiritually, chapter 1, mm. because chapter 2, verse 14, tells us that the false teachers will target the unstable. They will entice mm. the unstable. Yes. So what better way to prevent the influence of false teachers than becoming a mature man in Christ? And so chapter 1 is really anything you'd want to know about uh, spiritual growth, what it looks like, what are our resources for it, etc. And then chapter 2 is probably one of the most vivid descriptions you find anywhere in the Bible concerning false teachers and, uh, you know, the advent of false teachers, what they're going to do, etc. Mm. And then you get to chapter 3, and what you have there is a description of the doctrine of false teachers. And he targets on the specific doctrine that they're going to promote, which is, we'll probably get into a little later, but it's a doctrine called uniformitarianism, where you evaluate the past and the future by slow processes that you can see in the present. And they're going to use that to, they're going to worship their five senses, in other words, Hmm. and pretend that what they see in front of them has always been and will always be. And Peter, of course, refutes that there in chapter 3. And I found that very interesting because that's the dominant philosophy, the number one philosophy that has hoodwinked people uh, in the 20th and the 21st century. And without that philosophy, you wouldn't even have evolution or Darwinism, you know, which so many people believe in today. So anyway, that's kind of a brief outline of the book. And I love the fact that he's very clear. By the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And then he also, um, it's interesting, he makes a transition in verse 7. So he just talks about creation and reestablishes the fact that God is the creator of all things and through his word. But also, he says, um, he reminds people of the judgment. In verse 6, the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. And then verse 7, by his word, and this is one that a lot of us don't like to look at, uh, but by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. I, that's a very sobering verse in the middle of 2 Peter, isn't it? Well, I mean, it sure is, and it's it's a sobering critique, and it's amazing how a first-century fisherman, you know, uneducated <laughs> and untrained, could have seen what is, you know, hoodwinking us in the 20th and the 21st century. You get the idea that God, you know, showed him a lot of things here. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, basically what the whole thing is, it's, you, it's, a, it's a refutation of uniformitarianism. Uniformitarianism means uniform. You know, what you see in the present has always been and will Mm. always be. And to believe that, you have to, you know, completely trust what you can see and push out of your mind God's truth, which tells us that there were cataclysmic things taking place in the past, like the fall which and the flood, which are obviously an abnormality today. I mean, we don't see that cataclysm happening today. And there's going to be some abnormalities and miracles similarly taking place in the future. And so through the dissolving of this present heavens and earth by fire, verse 10, so it's silly for a finite man, you know, to try to come up with a philosophy 
concerning how everything originated and how everything will end through his petty five senses today. Mm. And so that's really what the what he's doing there in chapter three. We uh, I, I skipped over something I wanted to get your take on. Um, v- he says, first of all, in verse three, mockers will come in the last days. And aren't we seeing that now? Why didn't God prevent the coronavirus? Or even better yet, uh, Pastor Andy, how could a loving God allow this coronavirus to kill people? How, how can we respond to that? Well, I mean, it's very interesting because um, he's revealing there the strategy that people will use to uh, debunk the second coming. They're going to believe in the philosophy of uniformitarianism, but really the issue is they're walking in their own lusts, and they don't like the idea of the return of Christ because that communicates accountability. And, you know, beyond that, they're going to use a specific tool to debunk the doctrine of the Second Coming, which is ridicule. Mm. And it's interesting, Peter here says they're not going to ridicule the virgin birth, they're not going to ridicule the deity of Christ, they're not going to ridicule the Trinity. Now, by way of experience, we know that they do all that anyway, but that's not what Peter's focused on. He says they're going to attack the doctrine of the return of Christ, that Mm. Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth in a body, just as literally as when he, he left. And so Peter actually is revealing the the motives of these false teachers. So when people uh, come along with these arguments, whether they're related to the coronavirus or whatever, and they're constantly casting uh, aspersions on the second coming of Christ, it's really a window into their own soul. You know, they don't like the accountability idea that the second coming communicates. And so they generate some philosophy on the surface that accommodates their unbelieving heart that's sinful and doesn't want accountability. I think that's an excellent point, that things are going on today with the mocking. They're following after their own lusts, mocking, saying, where is the return of this Christ, this Messiah? Where is the promise of his coming? And in light of Second Peter 3, um, what would you say to Christians who may be concerned about environmentalism, about saving the earth, influenced by this movement of kind of elevating the planet or nature above a people and take kind of taking that whole thing out of context. I mean, we're not supposed to be irresponsible, of course, but um, this, some people, even Christians can fall for this uh, almost as Romans one says, they worship creation more than the creator. Well, I, I mean, I, believe it or not, you know, consider myself an environmentalist. I think environmentalism is fine if it's biblically focused. Mm. You know, we, we're not here to trash the planet and mistreat the animals and, you know, that kind of thing. But the problem is the environmental movement today, to, to, to walk lockstep with it, you have to buy into this idea of Gaia, Mm-hmm. You know, that the earth is actually a living, breathing, thinking entity. And if we're not nice to the earth, if we're too capitalistic, etc., it's going to retaliate against us through tsunamis and earthquakes and COVID-19. In fact, the Pope actually recently said that. Oh, I the know. Pope said COVID-19 is retaliation for our capitalism. Well, that's, that's an environmentalism that's um, out of proportion to what the Bible says. It's what you just indicated, end of Romans 1, worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And this idea that you take animal life and you elevate it higher than human life. You know, back in the day they were laying off entire industries of loggers to save the spotted owl and all of that. And the, the fact of the matter is Jesus says in Matthew 12 and Matthew 6, that human life is actually more important than animal life. And also the environmental movement of today is pushing a one-world government, something the Bible condemns in Genesis 11 through the Tower of Babel, or Mm. Babel. The only one-world government I want to be involved in is the one that Jesus is running in the millennial kingdom, and until that time comes, I'm not interested in being involved in a one-world government. But sadly... To be an environmentalist today, you have to sign on to those other issues, and which takes you outside of biblical 
priorities. And so I'm, I'm for environmentalism biblically focused, but that's not what we're seeing today. Thank you for that, for clarifying that. I think that was a really good explanation, and our Christian brothers and sisters listening right now, um, it is not wrong to care about the planet, about nature, about animals, but when you elevate them above people, your purposes and your priorities can kind of get out of whack. Environmentalism of 50 years ago was much different than what's being pushed today. I think of Greta Thunberg and, and uh, all the uh, modern environmentalists, but I don't want to belabor the point. We need to uh, just just wrap up some thoughts on Second Peter here. We've got five more minutes, Andy, and then we really need to get into uh, the COVID-19 debate, pandemic, plandemic. Um, how is this being used by the left? Um, it says in verse 12 of Second Peter, that, well, first of all, the good news is we're looking for, or supposed to be looking for, and hastening the coming of the day of God. And then it says, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat. This is according to his promise, and we are looking for new heavens and new earth. Jesus says in Revelation, I believe it's 21, Behold, I make all things new. So could you wrap it up? with your thoughts on this, how Peter gets into this, a new heaven and a new earth, as to be a combination of it. There is going to be judgment, but it is hopeful. Well, yes. I mean, Bible prophecy is such that when it's taught in God's Word, it's not there just to fill our heads with data. That's part of it, but the point of it is to change the way we live and our priorities in the present And if you look at verse 11, it says, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, after describing the dissolving of the present heavens and earth by fire, it says, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct? And you you read this and you say, my goodness, everything's going to be burned. There's only two things that are going to survive that I can see in the Bible. That's God's Word because the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord abides forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus says, but my words will never pass away. And the only other thing that's going to survive the burning is the souls of people, because God has designed people to live forever. He set eternity into the hearts of men. So, you know, when I understand what's going to happen in the future, I start making safe investments in the present. I start pouring myself into people, and God's Word, Hmm. and everything else that I'm so concerned about, you know, whether my lawn guy showed up on time today or or whatever, you know, it's it's all going to burn anyway. Hmm. So what Peter is saying is align your priorities with what is going to survive this burning process. And so it sort of causes you to hold on to a lot of things on earth a little more loosely than we used to. Yes. Not to discard them and reject them, but you just don't, you, you know, it's, you just see, it's like, why rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic? <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's invest our lives into things that are actually going to stand the test of time. And so that's what I think the great value of uh, Bible prophecy is, and particularly what he's saying here concerning the destruction of the heavens and earth there in Second Peter 3, uh, verse 10. Amen. What kind of people ought we to be? I think that's a great uh, conclusion to looking at Bible prophecy. That's where it drives you. It doesn't it, it causes us to evaluate our lives and want to live because it's coming. But th- the day of the Lord will come like a thief. We're talking with Pastor Pastor and Dr. Andy Woods. When we come back, we're going to ask this question, and he's going to uh, answer. Is COVID-19 being used as a pretext to usher in what the Bible predicts concerning the Antichrist's one-world government of the future? And much more with Andy Woods on Stand Up For The Truth when we come back. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, Pastor Andy Woods. Andy Woods Ministries, phenomenal pastor's point of view uh, updates. He's working through a series on COVID-19 and world transformation. He's got that up on YouTube. 
We'll link to that in our podcast notes. Um, Andy, I'm impressed at how smart the coronavirus really is because <laughs> it doesn't contaminate you at Walmart, Target, Costco, grocery stores, <laughs> but it'll get you at churches, uh, hair salons, uh, small restaurants, and other small businesses. It's really amazing. This thing has a mind of its own. I just want to get your thoughts on that. I, I think we've lost the ability to really reason and look at facts and then make you know, wise conclusions uh, based on the facts and the information we have. Well, part of the reason this was so tricky, you know, or and continues to be so tricky for Christians is, you know, on the surface, all of these executive orders about not meeting, it really, they really, on the surface, were not targeted against the Christian church. Right. You know, the way you see civil disobedience happening in the Bible, like in Daniel 3 and Daniel 6 and Acts 5, you know, whoever is in authority is targeting uh, God's people. And that really wasn't what was happening here at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just something that was spreading, we were told, and we had to all practice social distancing. So it's what you would call in the legal system, you know, a a law that's general and uh, generally applicable and neutral. Mm -hmm. And so as long as the government is operating in that way, you know, my mindset is to cooperate as much as we can but as you get as we get on with this it looks more and more as if the churches are being treated with a different standard and to me that's the dividing line you know once they say walmart is okay but a church isn't uh, a tattoo parlor is fine but a church isn't a liquor store is fine but a church isn't going and getting an abortion at an abortion clinic is fine but a church isn't yes. well now we have a problem yeah. because now it looks like they're targeting churches for special treatment and of course as christians we have a duty to obey god you know rather than man acts 5 verse 29 mm-hmm. so we're kind of doing a wait and see approach and kind of seeing if this trend that we're seeing is really true and how it's all going to unfold. We have clearly not been told that we cannot preach in the name of Jesus. So in that sense, uh, we can obey Romans 13. But at the same time, as you just explained, there are some things we have to evaluate. Why would they let this business open or this group gather when the word church means gathering or group? Uh, but and and now we're asking the question. Okay, now uh, it was supposed to be to flatten the curve for a couple of weeks and to prevent the hospitals and uh, healthcare workers from being overwhelmed, the system from being overwhelmed. That didn't happen, with the exception of perhaps New York City. And now, have we allowed the government to close our churches A and B, keep them closed, and businesses on this very flimsy? pretense. This is something I think a lot of us are now struggling with. For example, Pastor Andy, yesterday the Wisconsin Supreme Court just handed down a decision saying the government or the governor, um, Tony Evers, overreached and it was unconstitutional what he did to extend his stay-at-home order beyond the original time. And he extended it. We were in that stay-at-home. And now the, the court ruled it, overruled it, right? And now local, uh, some local health officials in different counties said, I know the Supreme Court said we can get back to work and and business and church, but we're going to extend the stay at home. So this is just it's some people are getting really upset and becoming unhinged. Give us some clarity on this. Well, I think and I hadn't hadn't read that particular decision, you know, but I did did see that article that came out about the, I guess, Wisconsin Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And what I could tell, just with a brief read, that the issue was the governor, and it's true with all these executive orders, they're not really consulting the legislative branch of government. Right. Uh, the, the executive branch is supposed to enforce existing law, and laws are supposed to originate from the legislative branch of government. And when you put all of these governors in a position of creating executive order, orders, basically what you're doing is you're putting lawmaking authority in the place of the executive, which is a major separation of powers you know, problem. And, you know, my problem with a lot of this is the legislative branch doesn't seem to be consulted at all. I recognize it's a pandemic, 
but this ought to be a cooperative effort between mm-hmm. the legislature and the executive branch. And I think that's what the Wisconsin Supreme Court was speaking of. And I, 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 a few days before that ruling came out, I saw an article related to one of the justices on that court. I can't remember her name, but she said, well, how is this any different, what you're doing, than tyranny? Mm. And I was reading Federalist Paper number 47 not long ago, written by James Madison, Mm -hmm. and he said this in 1788. He says, The accumulation of all powers, legislative, executive, and judiciary, into the same hands, whether of one, a few, or many, and whether hereditary, self-appointed, or elective, may be justly pronounced the very definition of tyranny. Mm -hmm. And so that's my concern. Um, I don't think our rights... I mean, you notice he doesn't say there, James Madison, that, oh, by the way, this doesn't apply if there's a pandemic uh, or a disease. Uh, I mean, these are constitutional rights that come from God. The Declaration of Independence tells us our rights come from God. And it just seems to me that some of the basic core principles of our society, you know, like the separation of powers, is being turned o- turned on its head yes. uh, in the last uh, couple of months. Yes, and men will be men, right? Um, we have men, human beings in our government. Um, something happened, and, and that frequently happens in fluid situations. We understand the initial decisions and motives. They're working with the data that they had coming in, but then those in charge began moving the goalposts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, now it's not just about flattening the curve. Now they're talking about the amount of testing. And as we know, the more testing available, and there's, it's everywhere now, the more testing, that means the more positive cases of coronavirus. So the numbers will go up because of the amount of testing. And then, Pastor Andy, you know, one of the cr- concerns that a lot of Christians have, when or how will this come about where there will be mandatory vaccinations? That's something that Bill Gates has been talking about. Share your thoughts on that. I know you've, you've shared a lot of information in your pastor's point of view on this. Well, the moment Bill Gates, you know, and it's, it's very easy to find his statements online. Mm-hmm. So these are real statements. They're not manufactured. But, you know, the moment he moved in the direction of the entire world, he said, has to be vaccinated. And then he said that's a pre I'm paraphrasing of course, mm-hmm. but he said that's a prerequisite for returning to any semblance of normalcy. In other words, unless you have this immunization immunization passport, you're not going to be readmitted into the economy. I mean, I don't know where people's mind goes <laughs> when they hear something like that. Mine goes right to Revelation 13. Exactly. Well, I wonder what the non-Christian, when the non-Christian hears that, someone on the left, aren't they concerned about maybe forcefully being vaccinated and and having some privileges removed if you don't accept this vaccination? Well, you know, you would would hope they would be concerned. (laughs) But, you know, what's funny is you have this blatant double standard. You know, everybody... You know, Donald Trump, uh, you know, has been investigated for sexually harassing women and Kavanaugh and Clarence Thomas and on and on and on. But when Bill Clinton does it or you have Epstein's island there Mm -hmm. and you have Joe Biden doing it recently, nobody seems to care. And that's one of the most frustrating things about this is. You know, people seem to sift facts through their pre-existing worldview. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, I'm a biblicist. I believe the Bible is true from Genesis to Revelation. Amen. And when they're telling me I've got to have some kind of immunization passport to be readmitted into the economy, I don't think that in and of itself is the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast system, as far as I can tell, is something that will be in place after the church has been removed, the restrainer is gone, and the Antichrist, who everybody will know at who the, he is at the time, comes to power. But I don't think that system can just come into existence in a vacuum. I think no. we have to be psychologically prepared for that. And so that's the category I put Bill Gates' statement in. It's, it's preparing humanity 
for the mark of the beast system, although that mark of the beast system, you know, is not fully functioning and up and running yet. So the answer uh, to the question we teased at the end of the last segment is COVID-19 being used as a pretext to usher in what the Bible predicts concerning the Antichrist's one world government of the future. The answer is clearly yes, and we're kind of seeing some ways whether some are doing it knowingly and others are being, you know, they're minions. They're uh, Stalin called useful idiots, for lack of Mm -hmm. a better description. They're going along with it, not really knowing, but boy, prophecies are coming close to being fulfilled, aren't they? Yeah, and, you know, there's a lot of debate about one world government and how far to push conspiracy theories and people, exactly. you know, talk about the Masons and they talk about the eye on the dollar bill and all these things. All that stuff is always sort of interesting to me. But here's the reality of the situation. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that in the realm of the angels, you know, the one-third of the angels that fell with Satan, there's no doubt in my mind that they, along with Satan, are pushing people and want a one-world government. And so I do believe in a conspiracy amongst the angels, the fallen angels, and that's where the Bible says human history is headed, just before the return of Christ. And whether people know they're involved in an angelic conspiracy or not is sort of debatable. Frankly, I don't think people are smart enough to pull it off. I think they're being manipulated by the fallen angelic realm. Mm. And in my lifetime, you know, I I was born in 1966. I became a Christian in 1983. I have never, ever in my lifetime seen anything like I've seen in the last uh, couple of months in terms of a crisis being used to push us further in the direction of one world government. And we we have moved so fast and so quickly in that direction Mm, in a very short period of time. You know, it's staggering. And and for people to say, well, this COVID-19 has nothing to do, you know, with the Antichrist kingdom of the future, I'm like thinking to myself, are we watching the same events? (laughs) Uh, You know, I mean, you've got now through Gordon Brown and Tony Blair, uh, we can go through countless quotes where they're just openly, you know, calling for one world government. And I remember the days when G. uh, H. W. Bush, 41, use the expression New World Order. You remember that back in the 90s? And there was such an outcry against his use of that term, New World Order, that he stopped using it. And what's interesting today is everybody just uses it in the open, and no one seems to really bat an eye. So it's almost as if these globalists, as they get closer to crossing their one world government finish line, just get more and more naked and more and more mm-hmm. transparent in what their true agenda is. And I think the the coronavirus is one of the only reasons more Americans are hearing about the agenda, about the United Nations, about the World Health Organization. Most of us knew very little about that before we recognized the connections with you know China uh, asking the WHO to help cover up the coronavirus. That's been confirmed, apparently, by uh, German intelligence. And, uh, you know, what do you think, Andy, about uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci? And, by the way, I'm so glad someone, Rand Paul, mm-hmm. finally stood up to him and asked some questions, saying, you're not the, the be-all, end-all. Hey, you're just a guy. Your expertise on viruses shouldn't be taken as gospel, as as the the final authority on politics, government, economics, and policy, and running a nation, did we kind of give the weight of his words, Fauci, too much uh, power, too much, uh, I don't know, credibility? How did we get here? Well, you know, it's almost like when this pandemic broke, um, and all of a sudden we start seeing these doctors, one of them, mm-hmm. them Fauci, on our TV screens constantly, no one even knew who he was. Exactly. I mean, I, I'd never heard of him before. I'm not in the <clears> medical <throat> field. But you start doing a little research on this guy, and you realize, well, he's a holdover, you know, from the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. And it was the Obama administration back in 2015 that gave, uh, I think I read an article, uh, $3.7 million as a grant a research grant to this lab in Wuhan, uh, 
China, where this uh, virus, you know, miraculously came from. Yes. And then all of a sudden, uh, Fauci in 2017, in that time period in between Donald Trump's election and when he was actually sworn in, uh, made the statement in 2017 in front of his peers, this was a peer review speech, that this administration will face, you know, a, 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 a pandemic of sorts. And he says it with great certainty. This is not conspiracy wow. theories. These are all things you can yes. validate just by going to YouTube and watching the different clips. And, you know, you wonder, is this a, is this a <laughs> pandemic or is this a pandemic? And then you throw into the mix event 201. You Google that, yes. and the, the zero in 201 is a globe. So that's where they get the zero in 201, and they have a simulation of a global pandemic that breaks out, and they're running this in uh, in like a war game kind of thing in New York City. And you go back in time and you go back to 2010 and you run into this Rockefeller document, which anybody can Google and find. It's called Future for Technology and International Development, written in 2010. And they're talking about a pandemic and people wearing masks. And then you run into this uh, movie that um, the lady in uh, Canada was involved in. Uh, in 2010, her last name is is Tram, and you can find the movie that she's involved in as you Google her her uh, name. Uh, the movie is a documentary in 2010 called Outbreak: Anatomy of a Plague, in mm -hmm. which she is talking about this global pandemic and people wearing masks and all of these kinds of things. And you you, you know, I, look, I understand there's a reaction against conspiracy theories. But at the same time, God has given us all intellects, and we can look at the evidence and see some things happening. And I have to wonder, you know, where this whole thing came from. Is this some kind of natural occurrence? Or is this something that's actually been planned because, as Rahm Emanuel said, you know, never let a crisis go to waste. The government loves a crisis because it gives government the opportunity to grow, and we're seeing maximum growth of government right now, right into you know the world government of the future. I was very interested when I saw um, Ben Carson on Fox News not long ago, mm -hmm. just a few days ago, and he says this is he used the word in t the crisis is intentional as well. Mm. So anyway, um, I don't have any inside information anybody else you know doesn't have, but. I look at this, and it's just hard for me to believe that this whole thing hasn't been somehow planned or, if not, deliberately exploited. Yeah, it's fascinating that they had that uh, meeting or conference, I think it was last September, when they were supposedly doing a pandemic preparation of sorts. And it's like, wow, something, if we only knew uh, but again, it's not conspiracy, as you said. And by the way, some conspiracies are actually based on truth and facts, and they do happen. Um, so we, I think as Christians, I think it's a good point to remember we have to remain balanced, and we have to just absorb the facts as much as we can, the news, whoever you, you're going to believe, because the media is long gone in this nation. And we have to keep that biblical worldview, as um, I'm sure you you constantly remind uh, people that, that you teach and, and uh, on your videos. We've got to go to God's Word first and pray for discernment and then use wisdom as we look at these things. And then, how then shall we live, right? What kind of people ought we to be? We're with Dr. Andy Woods. We're going to be back and talk a whole lot more about this on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. We're with Pastor Andy Woods, uh, Andy Woods Ministries, and we're talking now about the world transformation and uh, caused by either the coronavirus itself or the people that are using it. As uh, Rahm Emanuel once said, never let a serious crisis go to waste. Uh, the WHO and CDC now recommend that we all wear blindfolds along with our masks to protect us from seeing what's really going on. And, and that's not true. <laughs> but uh, it seems like, I think, for some people, it just, it's just safer that way to not really know. You, Andy, we want to be able to think we can trust those who are 
elected and, and supposedly serving us, those who are in charge of our country, our government, our states. But I think we're seeing um, unnecessary amounts of tyranny. And you mentioned there's some examples in the Bible that we can get a better understanding of this. I mean, it is human nature, right? Power and control, and um, it's selfish. But what are your thoughts on the conspiracies in the Bible? Well, you know, America was founded on the idea that all people have a sin nature. And you see this in Federalist Paper Number 51. I think it was Madison there who says, what is government but the greatest reflections on human nature? And so that's why they intentionally divided power up. Mm. And so America was founded on the idea that all men who hold power, you know, are to be distrusted. Even the ones that happen to be in our party or your party or my party, uh, because they all have the same sin nature we have. And Lord Acton said power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So would people at the highest levels of government be either creating or, if not creating, intentionally exploiting a crisis to grow their own power? Hmm. Well, of course they of course they would. And people say, well, that's uh, conspiracy theories. But the reality of the situation is, in the legal code, federal and state, there's a crime called conspiracy. You know, people have gone to jail for conspiracy to commit you know, X crime or, or Y crime. Hmm. So conspiracies are obviously real as yes. far as the legal system is concerned. And then you go to the Bible and you get to a passage like uh, Luke 23, verse 11. It says, Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, you know, dressing him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. And then verse 12 says, that day Herod and Pilate became friends. You know, before this, they had been enemies. Hmm. <laughs> so, you know, Pilate and Herod hated each other's guts until it came to Jesus. Hmm. And when they found that they could work together to rush Jesus off, you know, to get him out of the way, right. they became buddies. And so that's Rome conspiring with the highest uh, religious officials in the nation of Israel to eradicate or to liquidate Christ. And so people that reject conspiracy theories, I guess my response is, have you guys read your Bible? I mean, conspiracy theories are all over the Bible. And so, you know, I think we need to be aware of conspiracies, and we need to be aware of depravity, and we need to be aware how politicians basically have two goals— you know, their first goal is to get elected, and their second goal is to get reelected. Mm. And most of them, not all, we have some principled people up there. Yes, you mentioned Rand Paul, who I think is very principled, but most of them are there for themselves. You know, they have the best retirement system and the solar system, mm. etc. And they're there to feather their own nest and enhance their own power. And would they conspire together to? increase their power? Well, if they were angels, they wouldn't, but Madison in Federalist Paper number 51 tells us that they're not angels. We all are infected by this sin nature, and so it's completely within the realm of biblical possibilities for people to exploit a pandemic like this, you know, for their, for their own power and their own ill-gotten gain. What about the Pharisees and the Sadducees who conspired against Jesus? I mean, that's, that's one of the most obvious, right? Well, sure. I mean, the Pharisees and the Sadducees is another example. I mean, they hated each other's guts. In fact, I think it's around Acts 23, I might not have the chapter exactly right, that there's a full-on brawl, you know, between the two groups related to the trials of Paul, because one group believed in resurrection, one group didn't. One group, you know, only believed in uh, the first five books of Torah, uh, the other group didn't. Uh, one group believed in miracles. The other group didn't. One group was heavily involved in legalism. The other group wasn't. And yet when it came to Paul and when it came to the early church and when it came to Jesus, suddenly these enemies become fast friends. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, you name it, we can find conspiracies everywhere. So one thing that kind of astounds us, because we think there's such a divide, and there is, there's a divide between Republicans 
and Democrats. That's this nation. That's our political system. That's generally the two major parties. And it just seems like that divide, the, the space between the two is becoming wider and wider and wider. But something like this, you're saying, and I agree with you, that Hey, the heart of man, the depravity of man. Why, why would we be surprised if people are? There's Republicans that are um, for one world government or for globalism. There's Democrats that are for the same. Why wouldn't we think that they, some of them would not work together on something like this? One thing, uh, Andy, I'd love to get your take on the justice system when it comes to people that are high ranking and high profile it just seems like since the last several decades, there is such a lack of accountability. Um, for, for example, the media really protects their own. So the media will definitely cover for liberal Democrats. That's a general statement based on a lot of research facts, and you can just look at the, hist- the, the facts in the last two decades. And it's really disheartening to some of us who want to see justice because we know God is a God of truth, and God is a God of justice. And what's happening, even with Flynn and the whole system today, and the Russia collusion, it is just so disappointing. I think a lot of people, especially Christians, tend to tune it out. Well, I, I'm, I'm a, believe me, I'm in touch with that emotion. Uh, there have been times in my life where I've just shut everything off just because I'm just so, Fed up. you know, emotionally I can only take so much. Mm. But here's the reality of the situation, and this is in the notes of James Madison, and it's something that Benjamin Franklin said when he emerged from the Constitutional Convention, you know, being one of the great players, of course, in that Constitutional Convention. As he was walking out, a lady asked him, well, doctor, what have you given us, uh, a monarchy or a republic? Uh, And his response is classic. He says, a republic... If you, in other words, he put the responsibility back on her, if you can keep it. Mm -hmm. And so the reality of the situation is this whole government that we enjoy today is given to us to be stewards over. That's its whole point. And if Christians just emotionally check out and don't keep up with what's going on, don't register to vote, don't educate their friends and neighbors and those within their sphere of influence, is we're going to lose this whole system. Mm-hmm. And so things like this, I know it's very discouraging. I, I'm, I get discouraged myself. But the reality of the situation is God is going to hold us accountable as Americans at the Bama Seat Judgment of Christ concerning what we did with the republic that through much blood, you know, was handed down to us. And we, we have a real privilege. You know, we're not living in Saudi Arabia. We're not living in the Soviet, former Soviet Union or, or Russia. We're not living in Cuba. I mean, we have an ability, and maybe it's, it's waned in recent days, but the, in, the ability to some extent is still there. We have the ability to influence public policy. Yes, And so I would just challenge Christians to do that really as part of their stewardship. A steward, of course, is is not an owner, but a manager. And God gives us many things to steward for him, time, talent, and treasure. But he also has given us, in this country, uniquely, uh, stewardship responsibility over this country. So don't don't get discouraged and emotionally check out. Just co- just consider keeping up and voting and all of these different things as part of our mandate as, as stewards of the things God has given us. Amen. I think of, uh, there's a verse, Proverbs 18, 17 is fascinating. If you think of uh, politics in America, and it says, the first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. What we're failing to see oftentimes in America because of the media not doing their jobs, we're hearing the accusations are the first to plead his case, and, and they seem right. Okay, they have maybe they have something. But because, the second part of that, Proverbs 18, 17, no one comes and examines, no one holds them accountable. There's no one to come and examine him. What are your thoughts on that and how we can respond to this lack of confronting lies, accusations, exaggerations on one side, it seems. 
Well, you know, when you look at that Proverbs 18, verse 17, I think that's the basis, you know, for our Fifth Amendment, which is basically the idea that you have a right to confront your accusers. Hmm. Because anybody sounds good if they're not cross-examined. So, you know, do we have a media slant in this country? Well, Well, of course we do. But at the same time, we still have the freedom to go on shows like yours and give the other side of the uh, coin. And that's sort of what we're trying to do with Pastor's Point of View. I know it's what you're seeking to do with your show, Stand Up for the Truth. And it's so easy to just sit and complain Mm -hmm. when we still have a lot of freedom left. We can still blog. We can still write. We can still call our senators and congressmen, etc. Um, and rather than complaining, which is easy to get into a mindset where all we do is complain, you know, let's um, you know, let's let's build a lighthouse. Hmm. And instead of cursing the darkness all of the time, let's build a lighthouse and let's do something positive to get the other side out. Because unless God's people step up and do that, like you're doing. Um, the fact of the matter is the other side is going to win. Remember that famous quote, all that's necessary, I think it's from Edmund Burke, I think, all that's necessary for evil to triumph is for people of goodwill or people of conscience to do absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. So if we just mentally check out and curse the darkness, the other side wins. And I think we can slow down the progress of evil in the United States simply by asserting ourselves. Redeeming the time exposing the darkness. Light exposes the darkness. Jesus said that we are the light of the world. And I think I'll take it a a step up from there, um, Andy, and quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Not to speak is to speak, not to act is Mm. to act. God will not hold us guiltless. So there's something that we have a responsibility, and we are so blessed. We forget because of the darkness. We forget what's happening. We, We are in one of the best countries one of the most free countries. We have such amazing blessings from God, and we do need to come back to him as a church and as a nation, but uh, it's up to all of us to do our part. Andy Woods, thank you so much for spending the hour with us and uh, just for your time and and your wisdom, and have fun with the uh, pastor's point of view today. Well, I, I always appreciate being here, and I appreciate you watching our pastor's point of view. I hope other people will watch that also. But I appreciate what you're doing, and um, we just got to, you know, God doesn't say, well done, my good and successful servant. Mm. At the end, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. So let's just be faithful with what God has given us. Amen. Thank you, Andy. Andy Woods Ministries. Uh, when we come back, we'll tell you about our guests next week. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right, Monday, Israel Wayne will be with us. He's got a lot of great books out, including Answers for Homeschooling and Raising uh, Godly Kids. Holly Pivik on Tuesday, the ministry is Spirit of Error. We'll be talking about the coronavirus and some false teachings in the church. And Don Vino, we'll hear from him and the Enneagram on Wednesday. Thursday, news and headlines exposing media malpractice. And then Friday, Pastor Chris Quintana will be back with us. And so a full week again next week. Thank you for sharing our podcast. Please do that as often as you can. And we appreciate you guys. God bless you. Have a great weekend. And always keep speaking the truth about things that matter.